The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Hello? Mom, are you there? Hold on, I got to speak. I'll call you back later. Just kidding. Anyway, hey, good morning. Um, I was thinking about how, like, this whole, like, snow, there's this, Mageddon can go after anything, apparently, nowadays. So, there's, like, fog Mageddon, fire Mageddon, snow Mageddon. So, anyway, you made it through. I know up at our house, we live between here and Granite Falls, and I think we got, like, 97 inches. It's crazy out there. So, anyways, I had to dig a tunnel to get here this morning. It was, it was just nuts. But, um, uh, hey, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19 today. So, just a heads up there. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. And um, we're in a new series called Family ever after. And I do want to mention that somebody had mentioned as we posted this on our Facebook page, oh, well, I'm single, so I guess I don't need to come for a bunch of weeks. Well, that's not the case because this is not just about marriage and kids, although that's part of it, but this is going to include aunts and uncles and grandparents and kind of the whole thing. And uh, so we're going to get into that here momentarily. Some of you aren't aware that um, I grew up in the hood. Um, it was it was rough uh, in my neighborhood in North Marysville. And um, there, you know, where my house, you know, was growing up, there used to be strawberry fields, and so it could get pretty intense when people would go berry picking, and a strawberry fight would break out, and it was just super, super tough place to grow up. Um, probably one of the worst things we ever did was have dirt clod fights. Anybody ever have those besides me? Oh, great, we're all rednecks. Cool. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Seriously, I remember dirt, and it would always end with somebody throwing a dirt cloth that had a big rock in it, anyway, yeah, so yeah, so anyway, um, good, I'm glad we're, we're on the same page. Um, well, my parents, um, when, I, when I was in uh, middle school, my parents divorced, and when my mom remarried, um, we moved out to Tulalip, and I spent high school living out uh, on Tulalip, and um, we lived at the end of a gravel road. We were literally like the last people on our road with power. That's how far out we were, and so we had to, the, the bus wouldn't go any closer than a mile and a half from our house, so they would get dropped off, and we would have to walk a mile you know, you know, and a half up and down hills and stuff, and now I'm officially that old person that says, I used to have to walk a mile and a half up and down hills. So that's me, but um, I, I wasn't a church kid, and I had no desire uh, to get married. I had no desire to have kids, um, any, any of it. I was going to move to California and be single, and, and that was kind of the end. And, and then my life intersected with, with Jesus, and I was changed. And then I met Heather, and my life changed even more so, um, and, uh, and now things are very different, which basically means, guys, when you meet a girl, they'll ruin your life. So anyway, just, uh, no, and, in a good way. I mean that in a really good way. So, but um, we've been married for now 18 and a half years. We have four kids, and we're basically perfect. So um, just in case, no, we're, we're not really perfect. And, and the truth is this. You're not perfect. No marriage is perfect. No family is perfect. And it kind of seems to me that the word dysfunctional applies to really any family to a certain degree. And uh, the truth is this. Family isn't perfect. There are definitely some seasons that are easier than others, but any time that you're in such close proximity to a person or a group of people, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be power struggles and hurt feelings and anger and misunderstandings and frustration, and that's just over binge-watching something on a Tuesday night on Netflix. But anyway, um, but, but uh, you know, I want to uh, walk through the idea, you know, when you add to a family uh, a, a dynamic, or add to an individual the dynamic of pets or kids or, or career choices or financial struggles or, or the proper way to fold towels because we all know there's a right way and a wrong way to fold towels. We live in a, a world where the family 
in a lot of ways is in crisis. And I don't think that's, that's really new to anybody. And I don't want to be overly dramatic about this. We could be alarmist and all that stuff. But the truth is, I really believe that the family is in crisis. And we do live in a world where the hard work of staying married is traded for another relationship and possibly another and maybe another after that. And um, kids kind of have this sense of, of, of you know, insecurity and, and, and maybe the parenting thing is a challenge. And and so there's all this stuff that goes on, and marriage kind of becomes this, this optional idea, and, and it becomes frowned upon. And the struggle is this. Parents struggle with the ability to parent, to spend time to guide their kids in the world that we live in. And there's all kinds of reasons, and, and maybe we go, well, yeah, both of them are having to work to sort of survive, and you know, housing costs, and the cost of living, and all that stuff. Kids struggle with their identities. We live in a world where social media creates all kinds of weird insecurities for kids. And, and it's not just a kid thing, by the way, and I think we all kind of know that, but there, there's you know, sex and, and, and violence kind of all over the place, and we're saturated with it in our culture. And so kids struggle with that. Grandparents struggle to even know their, kid, their, their grandkids and, and try to relate to them. And if you're an aunt or an uncle or an auntie or an uncle or whatever, um, and you have kids of your own, it's hard to keep up with your own kids, let alone feel like you're succeeding at being a decent aunt or a decent uncle to the kids you know, that are in your extended family. And like I said, things are, are kind of in crisis. And as we tackle this series, I just want to be real honest here for a little bit. Um, we want to walk through what God has to say about your family, what God has to say about your role in your family. And whether you're in the room and, and, and you're kind of maybe you know, apart from your extended family and you're single or whatever, it doesn't mean you don't have a family. And maybe you're in here and maybe you're married and so you have a, a husband or if you're a husband, you have a wife and, and, and so there's that dynamic. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you have multiple kids. Maybe you can't stop having kids. I don't know. Um, you know maybe, maybe you're in here and, and you're a grandparent or maybe you're an adult child and, and, and your, kid, you know, your, your parents are, are older and, and you're grown up. And there's all these different dynamics that come into play. And so we want to talk about this in this series. And I really believe this is super important because right now um, we want to take a, a new look as a church. We want to take a new look at what we provide for the, pan, for the family. And like I said, for kids and, and parents, husbands, wives, uncles, aunts, grandparents, and of course, those that are close enough to be family, um, but they're not specifically related. A couple of weeks ago, we had what was called a fight night with Les and Leslie Parrott, and this place was packed. We had about 450 almost people here, and it was packed out, um, just teaching couples how to understand conflict a little bit better. In fact, it opened up with the question, how many of you guys were at fight night, by the way? Just raise your hands. Yeah, we had a great night, and it opened up with this. Remember this question? Okay, turn over, turn, turn aside to your partner and talk about the dumbest fight you ever had. Did you guys do that homework right there? We did that, and my wife and I came up with this one. We were coming back from vacation, and we're in Montana driving home, and, and we got into a fight about, about whether we would buy a boat or a camper first. Now, you gotta know why this is dumb though, because you go, well, that's fine. Here was the deal. We had zero, absolute zero intention and still have zero intention of actually buying a boat or a camper. And we're in this fight about like, well, you wanna buy a camper, I'd rather have a boat first. Seriously, we're like, what are we fighting? This is ridiculous. But all the way home, it was a really icy drive, and I don't mean temperature-wise outside, icy drive all the way back to Marysville on vacation, the dumbest fight we've ever had. So we had fight night to, to, to again, help couples understand conflict a little better. 
Last week, we opened a new wing for kids just trying to create space for, for young families to, to come and enjoy learning about Jesus in, in a great environment. And if you haven't taken a tour or seen that, um, you, know, you, you can do that. We want you to do it at the end of a Sunday, though, because with kids over there, we don't want so many adults maybe ransacking the place. Um, we... Um, we're going to offer better resources through this series, and we're going to give you some as we go here week to week, but we're going to offer better resources, whether it's books or podcasts or articles or resources that you can subscribe to that you get emails like I get an email every week that there's things we can do as a family, kind of homework and games we can play and questions to ask each other. And so we want to offer better resources. We'll help everybody in the family take their faith home because my passion is see this, seeing the spiritual temperature of the family rise, not just on a Sunday, but all the way through every week that, that we live as family. We're going to help men and women understand their roles as married couples. We're going to challenge families to live as Christ-centered. And as Craig Rochelle said in a series years ago called Bless This Home, um, he talked about we're not just a Christian family, we're a Christ-centered home and what that means. We, we will help create the kind of tension that changes the way that we interact for the better with all of our family, including grandparents and uncles and aunts and all that stuff. We're going to walk through what the Bible has to say about divorce and, and, and remarriage and all that stuff. And, and some of this you're going to walk through and go, man, that really stings and that hurts. And yet we don't want to avoid it simply because some of these conversations can be a little awkward. Speaking of awkward conversations in church, for some reason, sexual and church gets a weird rap and sex gets a weird rap. And, and so we are going to tackle um, sexuality and how God wired us to enjoy it, but only in the right context. We're going to explain ways to give kids a better story in an age where parenting has become such a battle. One of the things that, that rings true in my heart is I want my kids to grow up with a great story, to experience certain adventures and, and, and things and Way, you know, ways that they interact with the world around them that isn't just the average kid that's raised and kind of goes through the motions. Um, we we want to show you how to fold your towels because like I said earlier, there's a right and there's a wrong. In fact, I've got one right here and we're going to get this over with right now. So um, if you want to know the right way to fold a towel, this is a towel, okay? The seam is on this side, okay? Are we good so far? This is the towel, okay? You fold it like this so that the seam stays on the inside and you start by folding it in half. Are we good? So far, so good, right? Everybody's nodding. We're all good. This is where it goes off the rails, okay? Because in last service, people were like, no, 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 wait, that's not right. I'm showing you the right way, okay? It's in half. Now, one more time. Are we good so far? Everything so far, so good? Now, the danger is, where do I go from here? Here's where you go from here, okay? You ready? I know some of you are like, is he going to fold it in half? No, I'm not. Threes and, no, 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 wait, 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 hold Hold your applause until I'm finished, okay? And then when you put them in the, in the uh, what it, not pantry, what is it called? The, the linen, closet. linen closet, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. When you put it in, this side goes out, so that's what you see when you look in at your towels. Are we good? Okay, so that's how you fold a towel, people. Anyway, if that got wrapped around you and you're choking, I'm really sorry about that. But I, I, what I want to do today, and I know this is just kind of laying the groundwork, what I want to do today, though, is I want to talk about who in the family, who is the king of the hill. 
And, and I'm going to go back, and, and, and when, when we start here, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in, in the beginning in Genesis. It says this. When we look at relationships, it starts in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 with, with this one story, and it starts with a guy named Adam. And here's Adam, and, and even before the fall or whatever, he, he, him and God have this relationship, and it's a pretty amazing relationship. But even before sin enters the picture, everything that says, you know, God created this, and it was good. God created this, and it was good. God created this, and it it was good. And then we get to this idea, you know, here, here's Adam and, and he's in the garden and he's doing his thing, naming things and all that. And at one point before the fall even enters, before sin even comes along, it says that, and God saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone. And so in, in chapter two, verse 18, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And as you continue through Genesis chapter two, it says that Adam was put into a deep sleep and, and God took one of the man's ribs and, and out of that rib, he formed a woman and, and Adam wakes up and as he's named everything else, he looks over and goes, wow, man. And that's really cheesy, but that's where you get the word woman. So God bless you. So that was a freebie. Um, but that, that's the beginning of the foundation for marriage. Now, this is expounded upon in Matthew chapter 19 when you look at verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? This is Jesus. Listen, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is a situation between a husband and wife, then it's better not to marry. Now, we're going to get into this in more detail as we talk about the specific context of the marriage relationship and what God intended, but, but Jesus expounds on Genesis chapter 2. And Jesus talks about how they're united as one. Jesus blesses marriage. And as Genesis continues, even after the fall and, and the curse and this battle in the marital relationship between who's in charge, who's the king of the hill right there, as it continues, Jesus, God blesses the family. Okay, But here's the problem. We mess it up. We as humans and the issue and battle with sin that we face, we mess it up all the time. And today, in the world that we live in, the divorce rate is just over 50%. That means for all of us in this room that are married, we have about a 50% chance that we're going to go the distance. And that's pretty pitiful. If there were anything else in our lives that had a 50% chance, we would do something about it. For instance, if I said, when you leave here, your family is going to get hit by a bus and your, your kid has a 50-50% chance of survival, you'd go, what do I need to do? How do I not get on that road? If I've got to take that road and we're going to get hit, I want him in a, in a harness and I want him in a helmet and I'm going to put him in bubble wrap because I'm going to minimize his chance or her chance of being killed in a crash. We would do whatever it takes 
to save our child from that problem. If I told you when you go visit your neighbors later on this week and you're going to go say hi or whatever you're going to do, you got a 50% chance of being attacked by a bear You'd be like, okay, you, I got to go to my neighbor's, so what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to get a gun, I'm going to get some bear spray, I'm going to get a knife, I'm going to do whatever it takes to try to survive visiting my neighbor. Now, some of you are like, I'm just not going to visit my neighbor's. That's cheating, okay? That's not how the game is played. But, but I want you to think about it for a minute. If you knew you had a 50% chance of survival in a crash or, or, or you're going to get attacked by a bear, you would do whatever it takes to survive, why wouldn't we do the same thing for the family? Why wouldn't we do the same thing for marriage in a world that says 50-50, guys, 50-50? One of the things that drives me crazy, I was actually reading a book before fight night, and, and they mentioned it when they were up here, but there was a book that, that I'm reading, and it talks about a study done at the University of Washington. Um, go Huskies. Anyway, so, but, um, you know what? You need to leave. Just kidding. <laughs> But, but this, this study was done, and there's a, there's a guy at the University of Washington that, that basically took 15 minutes of recording uh, of marriages in, in a conversation about conflict. And in 15 minutes, he has a 94% success rate of identifying marriages that will last more than 10 years or not. 94%. And, and I was thinking about this, and, and it came down to, he talks about the four horsemen of marriage, the four things that are, that are detrimental, they're terrible for marriage. But, but the number one thing he mentioned, what do you think it was? Anybody want to guess? The worst thing for marriage, what is, the most de- what, what is the most harmful to marriage? Not communication or lack of, what? It's not money, it's a good guess though. What? Trust, okay, you're, you're getting warmer, but it's not the word trust. You know what it is? Contempt. He says that there's four things in a marriage that are terrible for a marriage. And there's other three things, and I'm not even going to talk about them yet. We're going to talk a little more about marriage. But when he mentions this, and, and then Les and Leslie on fight night, and I had just read the book, they were talking about contempt. And he says when you watch a 15-minute interview, and he would record it, and he would go back, and he would splice it up. He would take little segments of a 15-minute conversation with couples. He has a 94% success rate, and he says the most detrimental thing to marriage is contempt. Contempt is the idea that one, one spouse, a husband, is, is looking down his nose at, at his wife or vice versa and, and kind of despises certain things about that individual and leaves it that way. Contempt, the unwillingness to listen, the unwillingness to hear because you always know you have contempt for the other individual. And, and you say, well, wh- why do you bring that up right now? Why are we getting into that right now? What does that have to do with anything? Here's the deal. It would be good for us to identify anything that would damage our marriage. It would be good for us to identify anything that's terrible or harmful to the family. And as a church, we want to do what we can to increase the family's odds at success. Can I hear an amen from anybody? As we begin and, and we look at marriage, the question becomes this, who's in charge? And you go, man, you're just diving right in, aren't you? Here we go. But, but, but we're not going to dive entirely into it because we're going to talk about marriage more specifically coming up. But, but who's in charge? Who's the king of the hill or the queen of the hill? And the simple answer begins with neither. It's not the husband. It's not the wife. Jesus answers it in a roundabout way when we look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, hearing that Jesus silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, 
Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And many of you know exactly where we're going with this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. The king of the hill, when it comes to marriage, the king of the hill, when it comes to family, the king of the hill, when it comes to church, is Jesus. And I know you go, that's a cop-out, but hold the phone a second. When, when Jesus summed up the entire law of the Old Testament, he summed it up with, love God with everything you've got first. And I would challenge anyone in this room, whether you're married or you're single or you're a kid or you're a grandparent or whoever you are, the best foundation that you can be on when it comes to succeeding in relationships is the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I know we go, well, come on, you're supposed to say that. Well, that's what church is all about. Absolutely. But I believe we miss it when, we don't, when we're not willing to confess, God, my life is yours. God, my wife is yours. God, my husband is yours. God, my kids are yours. When we're not willing to verbalize something like that, it's easy to let something else become the king of the hill. When, when Jesus says, love God with all your heart first, Second, love your neighbor. And I would say you really can put in there, love your spouse. Second. And, and so when you look at this, what happens as a relationship begins early on when the sparks fly and the emotions are running and you can spend all night talking back and forth and you get married and that's over. Anyway, um, but as a relationship begins, it's easy to see the other person as the one who fulfills us. And we hear phrases all the time, I found my soulmate. I, I, they fill the hole in my heart. Craig Rochelle says this, that which we idolize, we later demonize. Think about anything in general. Anything that we idolize, we put before God. When we realize it's in the wrong place, we demonize it. And so it goes like this, and here's what he has to say. What is so adorable in his laid-back nature later on in marriage becomes, why is he so lazy? For, for, for the guy early on says, I love that she's outspoken. And later on, it becomes, she's driving me nuts. She won't shut up. And we'll tackle that later too. But we can't put our husband or our wife in a place where the relationship is what fulfills us because that's not sustainable. That's not healthy. That's not biblical. Or we get married. And we have kids and, and, and parents are notorious for spending all of their energy on their kids. And they pour their lives into making sure their kids get everything they need. And they become the helicopter parents and get them to all the sporting events and all the outings and the, you know, you know, all these different things that, that help the kids be raised in a way that they can be successful. And I'm not against raising our kids to be successful. But when we spend so much energy there and the kids grow up and move out, what do you have left? A couple looking at each other across the cafe table going, why did we get married in the first place? Who are you anymore? Because I don't know you. And so when we take and, and, and things get out of their rightful place and we put our kids on a pedestal or put our spouse, our husband, our wife on a pedestal, that's not sustainable. And our priorities get out of whack. I mentioned earlier, we don't want a Christian family. We want a Christ-centered 
home. Because so many people in this world would say we're a a Christian family. But it is a different thing when when you say we are a Christ-centered home. It all starts and ends with Christ as the priority. One of the things that we use for premarital, many of us in here have done a lot of premarital counseling with couples that are getting married, some for the first time, sometimes the second marriage or whatever. But we use some curriculum called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And, and my wife and I have used it for, man, I think probably 18 years now um, as we've taken couples through it and our other pastors use it as well. But in the middle of the curriculum, it's by Lesson Leslie Parrott, but um, in, in the middle of the curriculum, it talks about how to have the right um, perspective it's kind of this picture of a triangle. I probably should have had it put on the screen, so I'm sorry I didn't, but if you picture a triangle and, and, and here's you and, and here's your significant other, the goal is this, that you and I grow closer to Christ at the top because, and I know it's simple, but because when we do that, when we grow closer to Christ, we're in fact growing closer to one another. And, and, and that's overly simplified but we find it to be true in our relationship. We find it to be true in, in those that we've done premarital with and, and little, here and there, little checkups, little phone calls, little conversations about how you guys doing, what's going on, what's new, what are you guys learning? But, but when we follow his passions for our relationship instead of our own, it's pretty amazing how we do grow closer together. And one of the greatest things that that takes is humility. There, there, there are individuals in here that you go, man, I wanna have a better marriage. Well, then why don't you start with repentance? And I don't mean that to be mean to anybody, but I would hope that every one of us in here, if we're married, at some point or another has said, I'm so sorry to our spouse. And it is amazing how in the midst of a fight, we're so stubborn, I'm not saying it, they need to say it. But it's amazing what I'm sorry, something as simple as that can do to a relationship. And, and, and so, this whole picture of, of us growing closer to Christ. And here's what I happen to believe. If you have your communication card, I'm gonna ask you to get that out. They're in the programs. As you come in, we hand you the program. There's stuff inside, and one of them is a communication card. There's probably some there in the seat in front of you as well you can grab. But, but the takeaway, we always have next steps in there. It talks about committing your life to Christ and stuff. But one of them, it says this, Lord, help me to surrender my role in my family to Christ. Lord, help me to surrender my role in my family to Christ. Now, let me rewind a little bit, just, just a personal thing, but when Heather and I were dating for a few years, at one point we were talking about getting married. And I had explained to her, I said, you know, I don't know if I want to get married. And we, as we talked about it, that's obviously a big deal for, for you know, somebody who, who's thinking they would like to, to marry someone. And so when I brought that up, we talked about why. And I said, you know, um, because I don't want my marriage to be like my parents. They got divorced when I was 12. They lasted 17 and a half years. And, and I don't want to do to you what my dad did to my mom. And that's, I don't, I'm trying to defame my dad or anything. I love my dad. My dad's a great guy. I, I adore him. He's my dad, um, but, but part of what I saw in their marriage wasn't great. And so I said, I don't know if I want to get married because I don't want to do to you what my dad did to my mom because they always say, you're going to become like your dad. And, and uh, without pause, she just looked over at me and said, but as a, as a believer in Christ, don't you have a new father? And it's, it, I don't mean that overly dramatically. That was literally like a breaking point for me. Like, you know what, you're right. If I'm gonna believe what I say I believe about the Bible and that in Christ all things are new, 
that you know what, there can be a new pattern. And I mentioned how a year ago we were married 17 and a half years and there was some weird thing in my head and I didn't even realize it until 17 and a half years started getting closer that my parents made it 17 and a half. And, and for some reason, I, I was thinking, man, I, I hope we make it to 17 and a half. I know that's weird, but I remember at certain points, like, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, and here we are today at 18 and a half years, and, and I would say that the reason that, that we can have a healthy marriage and the reason that we can have, I think, a healthy family, and again, we're not perfect at all, and, and, and there's all kinds of, like, it, it, it's chaos and crazy and, and fun and all that stuff, but here's what it is for me. For 18 and a half years, over and over and over, I can't count how many times I've surrendered my marriage to Christ. And I've surrendered my kids to Christ. And I've surrendered myself to Christ. And, and over and over, I find myself as I surrender, allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in me that I really believe only he can do. And so when, I, when we put on the communication card, where I put on the communication card, Lord, help me to surrender my role in my family to Christ. One of the challenges I want to bring up for all of us, the tension that I want to create for all of us, is for you as we navigate this series, which is somewhere in the ballpark of five, six weeks, as we navigate this series, that you would make it a habit. And maybe you can make it a daily habit. God, today, maybe if you're in here and you're married, God, today I surrender my husband or I surrender my wife to you. Maybe you're a parent, God, I surrender my kids to you. Maybe you're in here and you're single. And maybe for you it's this, God, I surrender whatever my marriage will look like someday to you. Maybe you're a grandparent. God, I pray for my grandkids and you're praying for them with salvation, all that stuff, but God, I surrender them to you, Lord. God, I surrender my role in my family, whatever that might be. I surrender my role in my family to you because here's the deal. I believe that when we do that, that the Holy Spirit is, is allowed at that point when we say that is allowed at that point to reveal things in our lives that need to change, to help us deal with patterns, deal with habits, deal with things that have tripped us up for a long time, and that I really do believe the Holy Spirit can, can do something in you to go, hey, you say you surrender it to me, then go apologize. You say you surrender to me, then serve them like you're supposed to. You say you surrender to me, then love them like the Bible says you should. You, you say, you know, whatever it might be, I would say, pray that prayer. God, I surrender my role in my family to you. And I do believe that throughout this series, and, and my hope would be it'd be a pattern for the rest of our lives, of course, but throughout this series, as we surrender, that we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, changing those things that are, that are destroying or damaging or hurting our ability to have healthy relationships with kids, with our spouse, with our aunts and uncles or worthy aunt and uncle, or with the grandparents or with, with friendships that are close and, and, and maybe things are a little bit sideways or whatever it might be. And so as you take out that card, which hopefully you already have, I wanna encourage you, mark that box. And what we do, and we do this every single week as we put those cards out there, we don't just put them out there for fun, like, oh, fill them out, have fun. We ask you to do that because every week with every card, we pray over those cards. And we pray, if you write things down to pray for, we pray for those. If you mark that box and your name's on the other side, God, I pray right now, Lord, for Dick Pride who marked this down last week. Lord, would you just help him, God, to surrender his role and his family to you? And we're gonna pray that for you guys specifically because I believe that when we do that, when we surrender like that, it gives God the ability to work differently than if we just kind of keep going about our business. Father, today, God, this is a, a series that, that I really, I look forward to, and yet I feel all kinds of, man, this is, 
I, I think it's big, Lord. I, I just believe that you can transform the way that we exist as, as people in families, God. Single people in families, young people in families, kids in families, parents in families, all of it, God, that we bring this all to you today. For this whole series, we bring this to you. God, through the conversations we're going to have week after week after week about marriage, about kids, about teenagers, about the world we live in, about all of it, God, that, Father, you would be the Lord of our lives, God, the Lord of our families, that we can be reminded. It's a simple prayer, maybe on our drive to work in the morning and drive to take the kids to school or as we get up off the pillow and head to the bathroom, whatever it might be, God, I just surrender to you today. My role in this family, show me, God. How do I do it? What do I do? And I really believe that kind of humility and honest prayer really can change the way that we exist in our families. Lord, we need you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.